0: Well, Greetings. This is our next message in our series on the book of Colossians. The title of the series is Everyone Mature in Christ, and that's really what Paul is trying to do. Is he's, he's giving his arguments, his line of reasoning, so that we would all become mature in Christ. The scripture reading for today's message is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So today's message is entitled Priorities, and it focuses specifically on uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. But before I go there, I want to kind of uh, fill us in with the reasoning that Paul has been using, uh, that the Holy Spirit has been using as he's worked through this book. Remember that Paul is writing to a church that he has never met personally yet, and he heard about their faith, and he has a line of reasoning that he is trying to persuade them. And again, I would say that the thesis of his entire book is, the, is to try to demonstrate that his purpose is that every believer would be mature in Jesus, that we would grow up and really, really understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So his reasoning starts out with his observation that he had heard about their um, faith and love, that they had the fruit of the gospel. He says, I've heard of the faith and love you have, And all over the world, this gospel is producing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you. And he said, I I see that faith and love, and I see that as evidence of the fact that you have a hope stored up for you in heaven. He said, even that this faith and love spring from the hope that is stored up in heaven. And so Paul, uh, first of all, recognizes that the fruit of the gospel is faith and love, that you trust Jesus and you love other believers. These things are not natural. They're not parts of our normal human experience. They're only supernatural. They come from an understanding of the gospel. And then he says, he prays for them. And he says, I pray that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And so he prays, he said, "Every since I've heard of you, I've been praying for you that you would do this. And there was four specific aspects that would fulfill what it meant to live in a way that was pleasing to the Lord. The gospel would produce, and these four aspects are uh, bearing fruit in every good work, uh, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power so that they have great endurance and patience even in the face of suffering, and then fourthly, to um, overflow with thanksgiving, to to joyfully give thanks to the Father who has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And so what Paul does right away then in this prayer is he goes back and he explains the gospel as a rescue from darkness. He says um, that you overflow with thankfulness for God who has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So we've been rescued from darkness. We used to be dark. Now we're in the light. And he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption. We've been bought back. And Paul explains again the forgiveness of sins. So the most significant part of this whole uh, movement so far is that this gospel produces fruit. It, it's uh, it's going to have aspects of life. It's going to lead to a joyful thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving is coming from the realization that we've been rescued from darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son of heat that he loves, the kingdom of light, where there is forgiveness of sin. There is no more darkness, there's no more guilt for sin. Then the next thing he does, and this is an extraordinary thing to do when you consider that his purpose is, in this book, is to give weight and reasons why we would be complete in Christ. And so he says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, he's the source of our faith. So right in the middle of this uh, introductory section, He says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and earth and under the earth. And for Him all things, and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He's the firstborn from among the dead, and He's the the head of the church, the body. And so the preeminence of Jesus, this person that has saved us, is so amazing. It's really important for us to understand how great Jesus is if we're going to really understand how rescued we have been, if we're really going to get this idea that living for the gospel gives us these fruits. And so he, he points out Jesus as the great, great source of all things, the creator and redeemer, and the one who in the end makes peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so then he explains the gospel again, at the end of this um, uh, wonderful presentation of who Jesus is as the invisible God, and, and the image of the invisible God, all this wonderful words about Jesus and high and exalted Christology. Then he says, once you were alienated from God and enemies in your hearts because of your evil deeds. But now he has reconciled you to himself through Christ's physical death on the cross and to present you holy in his sight, without fault and free from accusation. So the gospel is a reversal. Once we were an enemy of God, and now we are holy. Once we were alienated and outside, but Jesus reconciled through his body on the cross, the once we were is now changed into now we are holy in his sight, without fault and free from accusation. And then he adds this Uh, little phrase that if you continue in the hope of the gospel, if you continue in in your faith, not move from the hope that's held out in the gospel. This hope that we're supposed to hold on to is the reality that we have been reconciled to God. This is not some strength that we have, that we hold on to, that we have to do certain deeds, that we have to live a certain way, and then the gospel makes sense. No, 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 the exact opposite. What we have to hold on to so greatly, what we need to hold firm to, is the very reality that we have been reconciled to God. When we were his enemies, then Christ died for us and paid for our sin, and now having been reconciled, we are holy in his sight already, without fault and free from accusation. So we don't need to do good deeds. We don't need to earn favor. God's favor. We've already been given God's favor. And so now that we have this gospel, now we understand this hope, And so this hope we hold on to, the gospel is reversal. Jesus is the great, great Savior who has made this reversal. He's the creator. The gospel is a rescue from darkness and brought us into forgiveness. And it's the faith and love that we have springs from this hope. This hope is all flowing from what God has done for us. The gospel that we heard from, in the case of the Colossians, they heard from Epaphras, they, they heard it and understood God's truth and all of its truth understood God's word and all of its truth. The truth is that Jesus paid it all and we're okay with God. So we need to hold firm to that. And so then Paul goes into another section. He says, this is what I'm all about. I'm working really, really hard. I even suffer in my body. I'm willing to endure hardships because I want you to get this. My goal for you, the goal for the gospel in your life is that you would be mature in Christ. I want you to be established and firm not move from the hope in the gospel. I want you to be mature. I don't want you to be pushed around. I want you to understand that who you have in your life, who has saved you, who is the heartbeat of your life, he is greater than all outside forces, all outside persons, all outside um, influences or values. He is the source of it all. So that's his line of reasoning so far. The gospel is the source. The gospel gives us life. The gospel rescues us from darkness. Jesus is the author of that gospel, just so you understand how great the gospel is. The gospel is a reversal of our condition. We were once enemies, and now we're perfect in his sight. you got to hold on to that truth. Hold on to that truth. It's the truth that saves, and Paul wants us to be mature in Christ. So that brings us to where we are today. And I want you to see that the next big idea that Paul presents is that he wants us to live in Jesus today. It's not just how we got saved. It's not just the beginning of our walk with him. It's how we're supposed to walk today. We're supposed to live our lives in Jesus right now. Jesus is supposed to be the inside, outside part of our life. It's where we live. And how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's what he answers in verse 6 and 7 of chapter 2. So Paul says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So right now, continuing, just as you received it by faith, you believed it was true, and you said, oh, wow, I I can't believe the gospel is true, but it is. I can't believe it applies to me. God's grace is so amazing, so I believe it's true. He says, in that same way that you believed at the beginning, you need to continue to live your lives in him. And then he he elaborates, how do you continue to live your lives in him? And he tells us how, by being rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So that's what Paul means when he says, live your lives in him. Just as you were saved at the beginning, you need to live your lives in him. Rooted, built up, strengthened, and overflowing with thankfulness. So those are the four big ideas that we want to cover today as the uh, support of the four points of my outline that we want to uh, use to support the big idea that we're supposed to live in Jesus today. But before we get too far into that, I want to back up a little bit. If you go back to Colossians chapter 1, again, the prayer of Paul, he lists those four aspects of what it's like to live a life worthy of the Lord. So let me read this. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And how do we do that? Well, these are the four things that happen when we please him in every way. We bear fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. That's a Pauline sentence, a nice long one, but it's basically being strengthened for a reason. And then his fourth one is, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the people in the kingdom of light. And then it goes on, I rescued you from the dominion of darkness. And so these four things are uh, fruit, growing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, and giving joyful thanks. Those four things are mentioned in Paul's prayer. And the reason I point that out is because apparently these four ideas are kind of a big deal to Paul. This is an outline, a structure that he uses over and over again. Look at our verses today. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Four ideas, rooted, built up, strengthened, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's compare the two side by side. In the prayer, it was bearing fruit in every good work. And now he says, rooted in him. And so I think this is an interesting, they're both uh, agricultural references, and Paul's thinking the same way. And certainly this reminds us of the teaching of Jesus in John chapter 15 and 16, that he's the vine, we are the branches, we must abide in him, and then we'll bear much fruit. And so um, but Paul is telling us to be rooted in him, to bear fruit in every good work as, as synonymous kinds of uh, parallel ideas. Then his second Prayer request. There's and the second part of his prayer and the second part of his argument in verse seven here is growing in the knowledge of God is from the prayer and being built up in Him. So being built up is another way of describing growing in the knowledge of God. And we're going to spend more time meditating on that specific idea. But building up is is adding to it's bulking up. It's it's causing something to grow. It's adding additions on. It's putting support structures in. It's growing in the knowledge of God. And look at the third aspect of the prayer of a life that a person lives, lives who pleases the Lord. They're strengthened with all power. And look what Paul says here is the third thing we need to do if we're going to live in Christ today. Be strengthened in the faith. And so again, he's appealing to the idea of being strengthened. And then both the prayer and the verse, um, chapter 2, verse 7, end with the fourth one being joyful thanks, are overflowing with thankfulness. So it's the sequence to Paul is not an accident. He's thinking. he's not just randomly saying these. There's a progression and a flow of thought. There's a completeness that's in them. Rooted in him, built up in him, strengthened in the faith and overflowing with thankfulness. And um, there's a lot of parallelisms, a lot of uh, similarities in that there's new and yet there are nuances in the different meanings of the words. And so I, I, again today I want to spend the time Looking at these verses, rooted and built up, strengthened and overflowing with thankfulness. So let's get a good handle on what those four uh, phrases mean. So, first of all, let's talk about rooted. And uh, let me just say before we do that, I want to ask the Lord for help uh, through prayer. Father, I do thank you for your goodness to me and your kindness and the way that you've. Uh, given me the gospel. You've rescued me from darkness. You've forgiven my sins. You've, you've reversed my position of being alienated. You've made me okay. I'm more than okay. I'm perfect in your sight without fault, free from accusation. And help me to hold on to that faith. Help me to hold on to that truth and, and to just that hope. It's not a work that I need to do. It's a reality, a truth that I need to believe and let it flow into my whole life. Father, help all of us as we understand and study your word that we would live in Jesus just as we came to him. Help us to live in him. Jesus, we do want to live in you. and We thank you for your help in your name. Amen. Okay, so rooted. What about this idea of rooted? What does that kind of mean? Just as you were received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted in him. Well, Rooted, uh, as I meditate on this, the, the word, it has to do with being strengthened, but it's also got that agrarian concept of a root. And a root is the unseen parts of a plant that are under the ground that dig deeper and deeper for nutrition, for uh, the soils, the fertilizers, the decay, the, the products that are in the soil, and even water actually comes through the root system. And so the sustenance of life, the the sustaining uh, energies of life, the source of life, the source of meaning, the deep, but it also has a connotation. The roots are, are deep in the sense that they provide strength. The, the wind can blow or the waters can rush, but the roots are dug deep enough that they have a grip and the external experiences of life are... Um, inconsequential by comparison. The roots are strong. The roots are deep and, and gnarly and, and growing and and twisted and overlapping. Roots are the seam, the system by which we grip on to Jesus. And we, so when we're going to put our root in him, what I, I, one of the aspects I would for sure want to think about is that Jesus, we need to meditate and think about him and pray to him and speak to him in terms that are, are identifying and realizing that he is the source of everything we really want in life. When my life is rooted in Jesus, I don't need the approval of other people. I don't need the pleasures of this earth. I don't need a, uh, a large bank account or security. I don't need answers to all of my questions, even. I don't need uh, to win every argument. Jesus becomes my ultimate source of life, my ultimate value. In other parts of the Bible, we've called this the treasure, right? Jesus becomes my greatest treasure. He's the reason that I um, seek life. He's He's the bottom line it's the when everything else is taken away. That's the thing that's not taken away. When the wind blows, I I, I have a, a foundation down deep in the rock. I have roots. I'm 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 intertwining my value system around and my values into the person of Jesus. He is the solution to all of my problems. And and what a what a wonderful foundation he is. We just got done hearing from Paul that. He's the image of God. He's the creator. He's got the ability to be the source. And he's the one who holds all things together. And he's the firstborn from among the dead. He knows what it's like to die and to rise again from the uh, the dead. So no matter how deep my suffering might be, I can go to him. And he's the source of comfort and encouragement. Because there's a sure promise that I will be resurrected in him. I've already got his resurrected life functioning in my life because I am already born again in him by his grace. And so he's the source of my meaning. He's the source of my pleasure. He's the glory of my life. In other words, the one upon whom all of the weight rests. The word for glory in the Old Testament is the same word we use for weight or or matter. And so what matters about Jesus is that he matters. He's the heavy Heavy parts of life, and he matters to me, and he's the weight of my life. And so, when I am rooted in him, I am living my life in him. And when I'm afraid, I go to him. When I'm uh, uh, worried, I go to him. When I'm joyful, I go to him. And so, I'm rooted in in him. I he it's it's I'm not rooted in. Um, Christianity. I'm not rooted in the system of religion. I'm not rooted really in our church. I'm not rooted. I I need to be careful here because Jesus and the Word of God are so intertwined and so hard. But I, I want you to understand I'm not really rooted even in my knowledge of scripture. I'm rooted in him, the person I speak to him in prayer as a person, not as a force, not as an abstract concept, not as a a vendor that I purchase uh, services from, not as a contractor that if I do this, he has to do his part. No, I'm rooted in a person. He's an airtight person. God doesn't give me an airtight argument. He gives me an airtight person. So we are rooted in him. So the first word that Paul uses to describe what it's like is to live this life is to be rooted. The next word is built up. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So built up in him, being built up, we know what it's the opposite of being built up would be something like being torn down, right? To be destroyed, to be wrecked. And you watch an excavation crew come and tear down a building and they these big machines can grab the walls and just push it over and pull the parts apart. and And it's really amazing to see how quickly what was once orderly can turn into chaos again. So the opposite of being torn down is to be built up, to be reinforced to be structured I we always kind of as a family have liked to watch the uh, old Disney movie um, search for the castle no not that one um, Swiss family Robinson and uh, they land on this island and you know they're just on the beach they're shipwrecked and they don't have anything except some tents and some stuff off of the ship that they, they gather and over time they build a tree house and they add and add and add they add a little a ladder system so they can lift it up and keep the wild animals from getting in, and they have running water, and and so their their whole life. What's so fun about living on the island is their whole life is largely just building up their house. They're building it up. They add onto it. They add railing. They add a roof. They add um, conveniences. They put in a the floor. They they get an organ off of the ship and bring it into their treehouse. The point is, is they're building up. They're building. They're they're adding to. And they're finding places, hmm, this could go there. This could go there. What does that mean when we do that? When we built up in him, when we're built up in Jesus. Again, it's a person here. So it's not being built up in our theology per se or solely. It's not being built up in our religious practices, but it's having our lives built around him. Jesus told us in the in the Sermon on the Mount that, that the wise man builds his house on rock. And so anyone who hears these words of Jesus and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the rock. And so to build our life up is to look for ways to strengthen our understanding of Jesus. As Paul said in the prayer of chapter one, to grow in the knowledge of God, to add on pieces, to to read the Bible and, and look for new insights and, and to think for the first time, like I did a few weeks ago, I was, wow, God even saved uh, Hosea's wife, Gomer. She's like the woman at the well from the Old Testament. She's she's a person whose story and whose testimony points at God's grace and the overwhelming nature of that, and, and just little nuances, and build up, build up, and, and we build one another up, right? We say, I'm so glad to see that you're being faithful at church, right? I'm really, it's such an encouragement to me to see how you pray for other people, and And so we build one another up with words and with kindness. But what we're trying to do when we're going to live in Jesus today is we're being built up in him. We're not building castles for ourselves on the sand. I'm not investing my life in making my career better in and of itself. It's okay for me to grow professionally in a way that would honor Jesus and enable me to serve my neighbor and love my neighbor better, or to enable me to to earn more money so that I can give to the kingdom of heaven. So those are okay things to be built up and it's okay to study secular materials and to become an expert and to be wise and to be able to talk to other people more intelligently and be winsome for the gospel. So uh, this is not to say that it's wrong to grow. As a matter of fact, it'd be the opposite. We're supposed to be built up in him. We're supposed to add all truth, and Paul just got done telling us that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. To know Jesus is the greatest, and to understand, and to study his words, and to, and to think the way he thinks, and to talk to him, and to and to pray the way he prayed, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus prayed that exact same way when he He was in Gethsemane in the garden, and he didn't want to have to die on the cross. And he was looking forward to that horrible agony of drinking the cup of God's wrath. And he saw the cup somehow, and he was overwhelmed and shocked with terror. He was was in such agony that he even sweat drops of blood. And he said, but not my will, yours be done. And so Jesus prayed that way, and I need to be praying that way. I need to be built up in him. I need to add to my inside structure my inside reasoning, things about Jesus, what he's like, what he would do, how he would act. I need to put his words into practice. I need to be built up in him. So that's the second phrase. So we are rooted, deep, all a source of our life and meaning and significance comes from him. We're being built up all of our internal structures and arguments and reasonings and behavior, patterns, and habits, all the things we do to build up our character are being built up in him. So we're rooted in him and built up in him. And now look at the third one. He wants us to be strengthened. Look at it again, the verse, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and then strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Now, notice here the shift. The the first one, rooted and built up, those first two, they were based on being built up in Jesus himself. But in this third one, the way to live in Jesus is to be strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And so what we're supposed to do more and more is understand the faith. Well, what is the faith? Well, Paul is using the word here to represent The gospel, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up in the gospel. The thing that you understand when you understood God's word and all of its truth. The thing that we're supposed to do not, you know, you'll never, um, once we're alienated from God, but enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. But now Christ has reconciled us to his physical body through death, and so that we're without fault to present us blameless in his sight, without fault, free from accusation, if... You continue in the faith, not move from the hope held up in the gospel. So this strengthened in the faith, as you are taught, is the external objective truth that we're supposed to be strengthened in. We are supposed to get stronger and stronger in the realization of the truth that is taught in the Bible, the truth that the gospel does it all. The, the, no matter how many times we say it, I can hardly still believe it's true, and I need to keep saying it because I need to keep learning more and more. And even John Calvin said that we were going to be unbelievers to some extent all the way to the very end of our lives because it's so hard to believe that the gospel is really that true. But it is true that I lost it all, and Jesus did it all, and I get it all in him. And so, I don't really fully realize how sinful I am. I still think I have some good in me, and I need to recognize how thoroughly evil and sinful I am. But then I often forget, don't realize how much Jesus did for me. A lot of times, because I think I'm not all that bad, I, I fail to realize how much he had to do. But when I fully comprehend how lost I was, and how lost I am on my own, then what Jesus did is even greater. And so when I think about that he did it all, Not only did he live a perfect life, but he also uh, uh, was tempted by Satan and was not uh, in any way falling. He didn't give in to those horrible temptations. He didn't give in to the fear. He stayed on the cross. He paid it all. He he earned all the, the righteousness of God. He fulfilled perfect works righteousness, and then he passively died on the cross for God. He actively lived a perfect life, and then he offered himself as an atoning sacrifice. And so when I think about those things, and then I need to remember, if that's really true, if God did that for me while I was a sinner, if he did that while I was still his enemy, if he did that while I was alienated from him, he loves me that much, how much more, having been reconciled, having been made God's friend, how much more will I get all things in him? If he did not hold back his son, when, he's, when he I was a sinner and he died for me, if Jesus did that because of his love for me, will he not much more give me all things? And so it really is true that I can have victory over sin, that I can have joy in this life. I can walk in a way that pleases God. I can live my life in Jesus today. And so when it's struggling, when it's hard to be rooted, when it's hard to be built up, We're supposed to be strengthened, remind ourselves, rehearse, study, enforce the faith, the trust that we have, that where we're taught, the things we were taught from the Bible. It's objectively true. It's out there, and it's discernible in God's Word. It's not just a feeling. It's not just a passing whim. It's a truth that stands. It's the truth of God. It's the Lord Jesus himself who said, I am the way, the life and the truth. I am the truth. You can be strengthened in me, the truth. You can trust me. I am a person you can trust, and I've demonstrated I showed you how much I loved you. I spread out my arms and died on the cross, and I showed you how powerful I am and that I'm really God because I rose again the third day. And every other question you might ever have is nothing compared to what I've demonstrated to you. You can be strengthened in that faith. You just keep on Keep on staying where you was taught. You stay in the Bible's view of the gospel. Don't move. Don't don't wander away from the hope held out in the gospel. So that's what it means to be strengthened. That's how I live in Jesus today. And then fourthly, overflowing with thankfulness. Again, in the first uh, chapter, he said, you know, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And, and this other characteristic is overflowing with thankfulness. So then, just as you will receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The thankfulness, and it, it's if the first three parts are functioning at all, if we're living in Christ that way, the gratitude that wells up in our heart is amazing. But the, uh, this instruction here is not just only a result of it. It's also an instruction to, to let it happen, to think about, oh, how blessed I am. You realize that ba- the, it's very possible that the main and biggest purpose of all of God's history and plan and creating the whole world and everything he did was to show to us the depths of his grace and the amazing depth of his love and the breadth of his love so that we could be grateful to him forever and ever. Have you ever thought about that? In some ways, the ultimate manifestation of God's will is the thankfulness of his people. You see, we would all say the purpose of man is to glorify God. And how do we most glorify God? Well, we can do things that glorify him, even if we're not so much part of it. I mean, even the wicked glorify God by their behaviors, if God's in control. God gains glory out of what Pharaoh does, and it shows the God's mighty hand. But God gets glory when his people have an understanding of what he's done and give him thanks. We give him verbal and heartfelt glory. We thank him for what he's doing. We actually actively participate in glorifying God By thanking him, Uh, the opposite of gratitude is all of the sins that curse our lives. We're selfish and proud or unable to ever uh, consider that anybody else did anything for us. We think we did it. But gratitude is the ultimate manifestation of what it means to understand living our life in Jesus. We're so grateful. I didn't deserve to be saved and I don't deserve to be changed, and I don't deserve to even be heard, but I have the privilege of, in all those things, saying thank you to him, and so we do. So, okay, so those four things that we have to, um, to look at here, if we're gonna live in Jesus today, is we're gonna be rooted in him, he's our source of our meaning and significance, We're going to be built up in him. We're adding to our structures on the inside. We're building our lives around him, our goals, our ambitions, our our desires. We're being strengthened in the faith. We're studying the objective truth of the gospel and its impact, and we're overflowing with thankfulness. That's what it's like to live in Jesus, to be overflowing with thankfulness. How often we are discouraged, and yet when we think about the gospel, we are encouraged to be thankful again. Well, let me just point out here that this verse is right between two other things. And again, Paul says before this section, he says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in the heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He says, I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So if we have this growing thing in our hearts. If we are, we are living our lives in Jesus, they will keep us from being deceived by fine-sounding arguments. So that's why Paul puts this verse, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's what we've been studying. And then look at the next verse, then see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. You see, when we are living our lives in Jesus, they keep us from being deceived by fine-sounding arguments. They keep us from being taken captive by deceptive philosophies. You see, when we are mature in Christ, when we we are rooted and built up in him, when we are growing in the knowledge of the gospel and growing in in the faith, and we are overflowing with thankfulness, they keep us from getting deceived. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. The reason Jesus can be my roots, the reason I can build my life around him without wasting my life, the reason I need to, and I can grow in him. The reason I can be thankful is he's the top one. He's the fullness of God. And he's the one who can give me fullness of life. And he's over every other power and authority. There's nothing I need to fear because Jesus takes care of it all. That's why I want to live in Jesus today. Father in heaven, help us to do that. Help us each one to follow Jesus with the way he deserves to be followed. Help us to to dig deep and make him the source of our meaning and significance. Help us to build our lives around Jesus, our goals, ambitions, and desires, and habits. Help us to study the gospel and, and grow in our understanding of it, to be strengthened in the gospel as we were taught the objective truth. And Father, help us to be grateful. When we're not grateful, we're forgetting that we've been forgiven of our sins. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.